0: Good afternoon, this is Chickie Fitzgerald. It is Friday, April 24th, 2015, and this is the Executive Girlfriends Group radio show, which airs on Solutions Live on Blog Talk Radio. Our guest today is Linda Popke, and Linda has written a book uh, about a topic that, for certainly for every entrepreneur and for many of the corporate folks, Uh, that I have as a part of the Executive Girlfriends Group, we are all having to deal with an awful lot of noise out there in the marketplace. And so you will love this topic today, Marketing Above the Noise, Achieve Strategic Advantage with Marketing That Matters. Linda, welcome. Thank you, Chickie. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Linda, I I think before we dive into this amazing book, and as I told you before we uh, got on the air, I am right in the middle of launching a new business, so this was so timely for me. But we would love to hear about you personally, a little bit
1: about your background. Go as far back as you would like. Okay. Well, I'm a marketing consultant. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, right in the middle of Silicon Valley and I started my career on the advertising side and the agency side. I spent a number of years in corporate. I was with a company called Sun Microsystems, which at one point was kind of running the Internet for a long oh, time. yeah, They were and one of my first clients for a product back in the 80s. There <laughs> you go. I was probably there. Uh, and then left in, and started my own consulting business. So I've, I've seen marketing from the agency side, from the corporate side, and now from the consulting side. Well, and you have another series
0: of books, uh marketing your career, uh promoting uh your nonprofit. Um and and those books uh have uh, one of my favorite formats, which is uh, a book and then an interactive workbook that goes with it. So, this is not your first book.
1: This is not the first book. This is the first one that really focused on, you know, kind of a traditional pub- commercially published book type of title um and didn't have a, the workbook uh, format with it. But I wanted this to be a little bit different because I really wanted to focus on this topic that I think is absolutely so important. Dare I say you wanted to market above the
0: noise? (laughs) I
1: did, as a matter of fact.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, you know, nobody sets out to market in a way that doesn't matter, right? But I am amazed at how much marketing is
1: focused on self and product as opposed to customer. Absolutely. I mean, that that's really a problem in that many people think we've got something great and it's kind of the field of dreams approach. If we build right. it, they will come. And sometimes that works, but more often than not, it doesn't. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm working
0: uh, on, on this new product launch and one of my clients, and, and it always sounds bizarre to people who don't know what it is that I do, but we're going to be trip enabling the obituary page for 2300 Funeral Homes. And... You know, I was trying to explain to the software company that we're working with that you can't expect someone to find that page. Like after they've viewed the obituary and then they want to know, you know, has the service time been set, you can't expect them to come back to you. So I wrote a blog about this today about how as marketers we think our stuff is so great. We believe people are going to come back to us, but we have to have a, a way to reach them when they don't even remember who we are, which I think is really the biggest marketing challenge. So let's talk a little bit about the book. So you, uh, you are doing consulting uh, right now. Did somebody say to you, you know, Linda, you ought to put all of this in a book, or did you just wake up one morning
1: and say, you know what, I'm going to write all this stuff down? Well, you know, it's a combination thereof because people have said to me for so long, Linda, you're a writer by trade. You started your career as a writer. Why haven't you written a book like this? And, uh, and that was one of those things I meant to do, meant to do, and didn't get around to. It was busy with clients, busy with life. And then finally I looked around, and went, what started to really bother me was I saw so much focus on all this new marketing oh. technique, social media, digital, mobile, advertising. Everywhere you went, we were being hit over the head with more and more marketing. And as a marketer, it was getting harder and harder to be heard above all this because there's so much noise out there. Uh, And the problem is there was so much emphasis on, are you on the latest social media platform? Are you on this particular device? What are you doing? And too many people were so busy just executing, executing, throwing stuff against the wall without going back and seeing what worked. And I said, wait a minute, let's (laughs) go back and figure out what's worked, and let's talk about how you get above all this by going back to the basics and understanding what needs to happen. Well, and I
0: have to tell you, and, and I am such a sucker for, well, two things about books. One is I'm a sucker for a great cover. And I I don't know whether you designed this or your publisher designed this, but whoever did, bravo, because it's got this amazing diagram on the cover, which shows that this is a process. And, and there are a lot of moving parts uh, you 've got concept and strategy and plan and team and product and and uh you know light bulb for innovation and the main idea and and it just it shows that this is really really a dynamic topic and you know so often books are so dry you know i mean i Patty can tell you my producer you know we get so many books sent to us. And the first thing I do is look at the cover, and the second thing I do is I, I look at the table of contents because, um, you know, I I don't have a lot of time in my day, and so I cut right to the chase. And if if a, an author really really succinctly can create a table of contents that helps me get my arms around the book, I will. Always read it. And so here, as I take a look at your book, you have separated it into four parts. Number one, the marketing landscape, and we'll come back to each of these. Number two, competing for attention. Number three, striking the right chord. And number four, above the noise. And, you know, you have used, and, and of course you have used, marketing tactics to suck me right into your book before I've even cracked it open.
1: And that's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to get you interested. The other <laughs> you did thing, it. <laughs> great. Glad to hear that. I am a musician. I'm a pianist. I studied piano, classical piano, since I was about seven. And so that's what I do as, as my kind of release, my spare time. And so I wanted to bring in the idea of a musical analogy. We hear some analogies in, in business about sports, about war, you know, other <laughs> things. <laughs> yes. But I love the idea of music and getting people to think about music versus noise. How do you create sound that's, that's attractive versus dissonant? Mm. How do you get people to think about melody and harmony and orchestration? So I in, incorporated all of those ideas in the book to try and make it a little more interesting. Oh,
0: and I love that. And in fact, your very first chapter uh, in the section about the marketing
1: landscape is in the heart of the noise. Talk to us about that. Well, and again, what I wanted to do was, was really focus on what's the problem here and the idea that we are, as marketers and as businesses, really, really trying to, uh, to get heard above all this uh, and to also de- to describe what I meant by noise to start with. And, but what I mean by noise in this context is there's really two things. Noise is what gets between the sender and the receiver. And so there's noise in the marketplace as you as a marketer go out and try to market your product. Because there's competitors, because there's the environment is just – things are getting in the way. Uh, There may be other products or other offerings that are not necessarily competitive but competing for your customer's attention. So that's one type of noise. And the second type of noise is within an organization, it's that internal noise, what I call static. And that's the noise it gets between you as perhaps a marketer and the rest of your team in terms of how do we work together to to be very efficient. So there's that type of noise as well. There's the external noise and there's the internal noise. And understanding that, then you can start to say, how am I, how am I attracting more noise and how do I get rid of that and start to, to get a good sound and, and get something very effective out to my audiences. So you move on, and again,
0: I, I... – I I missed a little bit of of the musical uh, uh, analogies here, and and I'm a musician as well, so I should have caught it. But the next chapter uh, in this section is about when the tempo accelerates. So today's marketing environment is so, so noisy. And you're right, the tempo is accelerating. And some days, I just, you know, just even trying to make it through my email to see what I should read and what I should take, you know, more time than just hitting the delete key.
1: So what about the tempo that we're, we're facing today? It's got to be unprecedented. It really is, Chickie. And, and it, it's a combination of a couple of things. One is that there are just so many more ways that you can reach people. Uh, If you think about it, most of us don't go anywhere without our our cell phones, our mobile devices, our tablets, and we're accessible 24-7 in ways we never even thought of a few years ago. And it's going to get worse before it gets better because we're now talking about Apple Watches and other type of devices, so we're going to have our our health information that's going to be taken from our device and sent to someone and then perhaps messages and marketing sent back to us. The idea of the Internet of Things, we're going to have, um, you know, our refrigerator and our car and whatever will be sending data back to someone and then probably someone's going to market it to us. So if my refrigerator
0: this, could tell my car to
1: go get me something at the grocery there you store, go. Uh, and of course if your I car, have a, you a Google Drive car, it would do that, right? <laughs> there you go. But what if it says to you, hey, you know, you've got to go stop at the store because we're having a sale on. And so there's going to be more and more noise, and the only thing that's really constant is change. Things are right. changing all the time, uh, and more and more and more. We're getting more email, as you mentioned, uh, 90% plus of which is spam. Uh, we're getting more uh, – we're getting texts. We're getting now audio and video, Instagram photographs, et cetera. So it's just more and more places that we can be, uh, be accosted by all these messages, and as marketers, more and more places that we could possibly go out and try to reach customers, but it's making it worse and worse and worse for um, to stand out because it's just everything's adding layer upon layer of complexity, right? Yeah, and I, it, it is exhausting. I, I've spent the last two days just trying to go
0: through you know and, and clear out my email, and, I, and I've just adopted a new platform called Basecamp that I keep track of all my different projects because I, I always have a dozen things going. And I've just made a promise to myself that I'm not going to leave my to-do list in, in my email box because... You know, if I need to read an article, I need to post it as a project on Basecamp, and then it will remind me. And and it, everybody has to find their own way of working with that. But marketers are trying so hard to reach us, but because there's so much of it, we just the delete key is just too accessible. Um, moving on, the, the next uh, chapter really talks about there are still a number of things that haven't changed, and there are timeless marketing truths that we need to go back and revisit. And, and so this first part really talks about the strategic part of, of dynamic marketing, and, and you use a term that I love called the leverage factor, the market
1: leverage factor. You're, and you're absolutely right. So let me tell you a little bit about why I say marketing is, is timeless. Because as much as we hear that marketing has changed over the last few years with social media, with digital, with all these devices, what became apparent to me is there are some things in marketing that haven't changed in thousands of years. And by that I mean if we go back to the old days when you perhaps, Chickie, had, um, had a cow and you had some extra milk, and I had, I had a chicken, I had some extra eggs. And someone else had had a sheep with some extra wool. We came together in what became known as a market. And we traded back and forth. And that sounds pretty simple, but all the basics started to happen then. You had to have the right product. If if your milk wasn't very good or your cheese wasn't very good, I wasn't going to come back again. You had to show up at the right place. You had to know who your customers were. Should I be doing a a, a big gallon of, of milk or maybe just a pint? How should I be packaging it? How should I be promoting it? So if you go back and think about that, all those things haven't changed. And that's why I mean by the, the timeless the marketing truth is the idea of this, the eight factors that I talk about as the dynamic market leverage factors, those have, are still the same. You've got to start with a strategy, and it sounds very simple, but too many people say, hey, let's go off and execute. Right. Uh, we, we, we built something. Let's go make it happen, and they work backwards, as opposed to having a business strategy. Then you need to understand your markets. You need to create products that are the right products. You need to know your customers. You need to create a brand. You need to have a way to sell that and get that to market, and that's both through some kind of sales mechanism and then also communicating. And then you need to have a way to measure what you're doing and say, how well did we do? So all of those factors are timeless, and that's what I mean by the dynamic market leverage factors
0: and again i love how you have woven those uh you know throughout the book you you touch uh well more than touch you 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 uh, talk for you know 15 to 20 pages on each of them so um you know, I, I just mentioned that, you know, here we've got all these things that haven't changed, but there are also some new realities that we're having to deal with. And, you know, you, you alluded to this when we talked about platform and social media and, and the fact that, you know, we, you used to be able to figure out how you were going to split your marketing budget between, you know, commercials and newspaper. And, you know, so there are things that have changed. So
1: talk to us about those new realities. You're absolutely right, Chickie. And what's changed is, on top of that, of those timeless factors, it's how we deliver to our markets, how we engage with our customers and our prospects. So, for example, it's how we deliver products and services. It's the use of data, and we talk about big data, but I also think there's little data, which is anyone can, can start to assemble data and information about how their customers are, are working with their product and service and start to use that so you don't have to be a a big company assembling mounds and mounds of data. How we go out and do demand generation, how we go out and and reach people, um, how we go out and and drive uh, brands, all of those things have changed dramatically. And here's the other thing. We very much are involved with um, what I call conversations, content, and communities. And that's how we interact with our, um, our customers and our prospects. We don't talk at them the way we used to maybe a few years ago or a decade or so ago. We engage them. We try to understand what's going on. So we've got to have content that's relevant to them. We can't just market ourselves. We've got to provide value. And we've got to engage with them in communities. And sometimes uh, organizations try to create their own communities, but more often than not, they need to go to where the communities are and provide value to those customers and prospects. Right. Right. Well, and, and we started out talking, uh, you know, about
0: the, the customer. I mentioned, you know, the, the frustration that I have that people are, are so enamored with their products that they don't think about the customer. So the, the whole second part of the book is is about competing for attention. And you uh, jump in right away to it all starts with the customer. And, and that is one of your dynamic market uh, leverage factors. So what is it about – Customer-centric marketing that has escaped so many people. Why? Why is that not
1: obvious that that needs to be at the center? Well, in, I, I think that's really important because if you talk to just about everyone, they'll tell you how important customers are. The, the problem is too many people give this list, uh, just lip service and don't necessarily do what has to be done. And what if you're going to be really customer focused, you have to start with who is the customer, what are they interested in, how can I make their condition better? Uh, why am I uh, going to be different and stand out for them rather than um, you know, than another offering that they've got? And so you've got to focus on the benefits, again, not the features of what you offer, but the value you provide to your customers. And you have to have a way to integrate that through your whole organization. Uh, one of the things that's important is you have to be aware customer complaints are not necessarily a bad thing because when a customer complains to you, that says you have an opportunity to do things better. There is right. something that they'd like to see you do better than you've done before. And that's important because if a customer was very upset with you, they wouldn't complain. They'd just pick up, take their ball, leave it go home. <laughs> exactly. So how can you take that? If you can engage with a customer who's unhappy, solve their problem, and come back and, and make sure they know their problem solved, you may create a customer that is even more satisfied than before. And here's what's different in today's world. It's not you and the customer the customer goes out and tells five people, ten people, a million people because they start to tweet about it, they start to put it on Facebook. And so all of these things that you can do to engage with the customer, all those ripples go out and help you in the longer term with your bigger audience. Exactly,
0: exactly. And, you know, again, I, I, I think people – they think about – and I, I just went through an exercise uh, with my logo and, and with my company branding this week. And I was sharing with uh, the person I was meeting with this morning. Uh, a couple of months ago I was in New York with the woman who is uh, my partner in my new business. And we were both talking about our personal branding. And we weren't even talking about the company. But just kind of as an aside, she said, you know, you know, you might want to look at your, your current logo because it, it's a bit heavy. And, and you know, I remember – uh, recoiling a little bit because I've had that that logo for ten years, and and you know, and I've had that logo for ten years is is kind of the punchline of that. <laughs> and and I never really looked at it with fresh eyes. I never looked at it from a customer's eyes. And, and so I, I spent the time and actually uh, you know, did kind of the, the cheap route, as, as uh, we entrepreneurs often do, and used a, a site called 99designs, which uh, I am a huge fan of, and came up with this beautiful new branding that I can use across all my, my brands, uh, or it's a logo structure. And just that move allowed me to move my brand above the noise just because I left behind the heaviness literally of the font that had been used and it elevated it and, and uh, it's allowed me new communication with all my customers and all my prospects. And so the next chapter um, is about reputation and reputation is the new black branding above the noise. And I know that's more, Branding is more than just logo. It's really everything that you are. So how, how
1: does branding and reputation fit together? Uh, and, and I love your example, Chickie, and, and 99 Designs I've used as well. Um, so one of the great things about that is they give you a number of different logos. It's like a contest. Yes. So you see all these different alternatives, and you can go out and you can ask people that you trust vote on what you like and tell me what you like and and let's see how we get there. And so what's important is that you engage and you understand and I think you hit this right on the head, you understand how your brand is going to appear to customers. So it's not just what you want to be, but it's what people see that you are. Yes. And so it's important that you understand what people uh, are, uh, and what your audience is. It could be customers. It could be employees. It could be, uh, if if you're starting a new business, it could be potential investors. So what is it that people think of you, and how do you build up the brand attributes that you really think are important? Right. Um, And and word of mouth is so important today, because what people say really gets taken and um, um, sometimes taken out of context. But you've got to be very much aware of that, You've got to understand that brand is, is very fragile. It needs to be reinforced all the time. Right. It's very easy for someone um, to something to happen that starts to damage your brand. And it's less important that you try and control that because you really can't. But what you can control is your response and how right. you react and how you come across and, and really uh, reinforce the goodness and the good value of your brand. Well, and, and there are so
0: many tools available now to listen to what is being said about your brand uh, in the marketplace, particularly on social media. And, you know, we don't need to go into those. We don't have – that That would be a whole show to talk about those tools. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, you know. And I love it that you talk about demand generation, and this is the next uh, part of this chapter of actually getting your message heard. And my my whole consulting practice for for the number of years that I've been involved in consulting has been focused on marrying buyers and sellers and, and multi-channel distribution, and and demand generation is of course a really important part of that. Uh, so in this section, you talk about two things. You talk about communications, and you talk about operations and, and actually being able to deliver and measure, which I love. So talk
1: to us about getting the message heard. Absolutely. And, and you're right. I mean, no matter how good your, your story is, if you can't communicate that effectively, it doesn't matter. It's the old, the old story of if we're in the, uh, in the forest and the, and the tree drops. Uh, and there's no one there doesn't make a sound. Well what if you're in the forest and the people are there but the tree doesn't drop, right? So you right. need to it's backwards. But you need to, to be sure that you're hitting the right people with the message that that resonates with them. And you can generate demand today in a number of different ways and, and content is certainly important and, and creating content and getting it out there. You can have ways for people to try your product uh, or service. You can, mm-hmm. you can use discounts and things of that nature. Um, so there are a number of different ways to communicate. What's important is that you're always measuring what you're doing, and this is why we get into the, the idea of operations and measurement, because it's not a matter of putting a campaign out there and seeing what happens and sitting back and waiting for the results. And it's not that long ago in marketing when we did that, because we created a campaign there wasn't much we could do. The good news about today and the technology we have is that it's easy to tweak things. So we can look at things and we can say, oh, let's try something a little bit different. What if we change that a little bit? Let's test that, see how it works. What if we, um, we're finding some, some data, we're getting analytics, which we get all over the place, all these metrics and measurements, and we're seeing that we're not quite getting where we need to be. What if we tried something different? So what's important is to communicate, and it's a very iterative process. So as you go out there and you're trying to reach your audiences, you're looking and seeing what works and what doesn't, and you're making changes in real time. Right, right. So
0: once you have have gotten that down, you know, uh, the next section of the book is all about striking the right chord. And I want to just interject one other part of my story here because part of this thing wasn't just about fonts. Of, of my brand. I, I have been a consultant for 19 years and a a couple of years ago, actually quite a few years ago, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. But the problem was my messaging of, of who people thought I was, um, you know, was all about that word consultant. And, you know, what I have really become is advisory services, right? And, and that I help early stage companies, uh, do game-changing business design that can actually move them forward, you know, when they've been stuck. Uh, And so we still do advise companies, but usually as an investor and board member. So uh, I actually had to make a conscious decision to go through and remove the word consulting from my website and and remove all those things I didn't want to do anymore and and i think companies uh, one of the things i see certainly in my own uh consulting practice is this inability uh to realize that you need to retire things right and so i would think you know and while you don't especially talk about this in in striking the right chord um i think doing an audit of, of who do you want to be, right? And who do people think you are now? And so the next thing is about closing the sale. So in this part three of your book, Striking the Right chord, you talk about how marketing and sales can work in harmony. And, and marketing is what I've just been talking about, of how do you really make sure that the message fits what you want to be known for, uh, whether it's product features and, and you know, uh, and I'm consulting right now with Club Med, and they're facing this in the marketplace, that people who went to Club Med 10 years ago they think they know what Club Med is, but it's a whole different company now. Right. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm uh, facilitating their sales meeting in a couple of weeks. And, and so I, I think this particular chapter is one I need to really take in and, and uh, you know, turn around and share back with them. So you're talking about sales channels here, which is another one of your dy- dynamic market uh, leverage factors. But what, what is the relationship between marketing and sales, and how do they work in harmony? Well,
1: Chickie, that's a great question because marketing and sales traditionally have sort of been like siblings, fighting all the time. They love each other, but they hate each other. Right. And, you know, you can't put them in the car together because there's, you're, you're never going to get to your destination in <laughs> one place. So, um, you must have
0: children. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. So here's what, um, here, here's what happens is too often marketing throws things across the, you know, kind of over the fence and says, here's sales. Go out and sell this. We've given you all the tools. And then sales come back and they say, we can't sell because marketing gave us the wrong stuff. So uh, too often we have this kind of he said, she said thing going on. And in reality, we should be working together in harmony, as, as I say. Um, we shouldn't be shouting at each other. We need to really understand what it is that's happening in the sales environment. And that's true whether it's a direct sales force, whether it's through channels, whether it's through the Internet, alliances. There are a number of different ways you can go to market with a sales team. But what's important is that the salespeople have that direct interaction with the customer. And marketing needs to work with sales to understand what works and what doesn't, understanding kind of the purpose that that gets across in terms of why are we here, which is not just to sell more things, but are we here to help people, if you're Club Med, you're probably there to, to give people a, a wonderful experience and make them forget their day-to-day lives, right, for a week or so. So you know, making that experience so magical or wonderful is what Club Med is about, not providing the nicer hotel room or, or fancy drinks or activities, right. Right? all of which are part of that, but that's not what people remember. You want people to remember that great experience. So as a marketing team, how do you provide the right marketing materials? And how do you help be very focused on what sales is telling you? And so what that involves is, I would say, take your marketing people along on a sales call and bring your sales people back in to help drive marketing and work together to be much more effective. Excellent,
0: excellent. Um, You alluded to uh, the whole Internet of Things and and big data, and and the next chapter uh, dives into that and, and talks about market analysis. And, you know, if anything, I think right now we are inundated with too much information, and we don't even know where to start. And I've got to admit, I you know, I use Google Analytics uh, to take a look at my sites, but I sometimes don't even know what I'm looking at, to be honest with you. And I'm sure that I'm not alone out there.
1: You're absolutely right. In fact, we are in a, a kind of a a strange situation where we're just drowning in data. We have so much data. We went from not having any data just a, a few years ago to having so much, what do we do with it? And here's the danger with data. When you have something and you start measuring it, you start looking at that and, and saying, let's look and see what that means. And you can get focused on the wrong piece of data. Oh, absolutely.
0: What gets measured gets
1: repeated. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And the other issue with data is you've got to have people not just who are creating and, and making sure you're getting good data coming in and analyzing it, but you still need people who have the insights and the background, the business background, the marketing background to make good judgments. So data will will inform, will give you that 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 kind of secret uh, ingredient you haven't had before. But it's still if you've got all the ingredients sitting on the table and you ha- don't know how to bake a cake, having all you know all that that kind of. Um, <laughs>
0: What that are a going great help.
1: analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so, so important. That. And today too, it's also important that marketers work very closely with with the people who are managing the data, the IT teams, the CIO, uh, to make sure that they're working together and not at cross purposes.
0: Right. And then uh, you you talk about two other thing things in the striking the right chord section of the book, uh, the role that the employees uh, play in raising the volume. And also how social sharing can amplify your reach. And I think those two go together because right now when employees think about playing a role in marketing and, and you know, raising visibility, social media is so often, you know, the immediate place that they go. But without the proper direction, uh, you know, they may not be rising
1: or raising the volume in a correct manner. You're absolutely right. And what I think many people forget is you cannot have unhappy employees and happy customers. Mm -hmm. And so your employees are either going to help. They will amplify your brand either in a good way or a bad way. And if you don't help enable them, help give them the right messages, treat them like they're an important part of, of what you do, then it's quite likely they're going to be upset, and that's going to come across to your customers. And then what starts to happen is social media comes across not just employees talking, but customers talking about how badly they've been treated. And we've all seen this where, uh, you know, we've, we've had things that have happened and we, we just get out there and, and talk about how badly that, that sales rep or the person waiting on us, etc., treated us. And that starts to reflect not on that individual but on the brand. So right. it's important with social media that you are monitoring and listening as much as talking. What are people saying about you? What are they, where are they going? What's happening? Um, understand that things are in context. You can't necessarily market to everyone through social media. You have to go where your customers and prospects are, yes. and you have to do things correctly. Uh, and and not, not choose just every tool, because some tools and, and techniques look really exciting, but they may not be here in a few years. Right, exactly.
0: Well, and, and also the metrics are, are really, really important in making sure that you're measuring impact. Absolutely. So the last section of the book is, is uh, the section about being actually above the noise and, and being successful. And I all, that makes me think about, um, you know, why the eagle is so successful, because it can rise above the storm and actually physically get above the clouds to where it's all sunshine and, and blue skies again, right? And so getting above the noise uh, involves some some very specific factors for success. And you call these the momentum factors.
1: So how do we get that momentum? So you're absolutely right. And you can do all those other things right and still not succeed. And that's because, as I mentioned earlier, you've got to make sure that you're leveraging your organization as effectively as possible. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to make sure you're, you're all in alignment within your organization, that you've got the senior executive team, and you're not trying to sell them on some kind of creative concept, but that you're working with them together as a strategic advisor, kind of like the way you work in your business, Chickie, but as a strategic advisor to, uh, to help them meet their business goals and that marketing is part of the team that's coming up with this strategy and implementing it as well. So you want to make sure that you're working that way. You want to make sure that you have the right resources in terms of financial resources uh, as well as people, as well as mindshare that you're, you're able to, to get where you need to be and, uh, and, and get people behind you. Uh, and people themselves, you want to make sure you have the right team. Uh, yes. Marketing has changed, and and the things that we expect from people are different than they were a number of years ago. So, how do you make sure that you have the team that they're getting the right abilities to to uh, to really uh, shine with their capabilities and where they go from there? You want well, to make and do sure- you have anybody under 35 on your team? I mean, I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm
0: involved in the boards of a couple of companies right now, and there is not an, a single employee. Uh, or board member uh, under 50 and and uh this is one of the things i'm being very careful about in my new venture because i you know i tend to surround myself with people that i've worked with before and and you know that always yields the same results of you know they skew older because you know i'm i'm uh uh, in my upper fifties, so you know, I, I take a look now at putting together a team that represents the different generations, because our our product, our new product, will be used, uh, you know, by a wide range of individuals across many many different kinds of organizations.
1: That's absolutely critical. So you've got to look at, and it needs to be a diverse team, not just in terms of generations, but diverse in terms of ethnic, yes. uh, you know, cultural, racial, etc., because that's who your audience is. And yes. the more you have that, uh, so that you're absolutely correct about that. We need to be looking at, at the millennial generation as being right. part of our team as well. Uh, right. And and it sounds like this is what you get to in in really the final
0: chapter, which is called putting it all together—a masterful performance. Which you know, as the conductor, you know, if if you're the CEO or founder of a company, or or you're in senior senior leadership with a, an established corporation. You really need to step back and and uh, you know make sure everybody's ready. Make sure that the product is right. That the you know piece of music that you're about to perform, uh, you know, is what your audience wants to hear. So, uh, what what are your parting thoughts that you want to leave uh, with our audience
1: today about putting it all together? So you're absolutely right, Chicken. What you need to do is this is where I think from a musical perspective, like the conductor. The conductor has a whole set of, of very talented musicians, but we don't want to hear the violins all the time. We don't want to hear the trumpets all the time. We want to make sure that we're bringing out the right voice and the right information at the right time. And that's how you get a really powerful performance. Uh, and so you've got uh, someone who respects the team members, who, um, who really works with them uh, and makes sure that things happen. Um, just to say something quickly about failure because if you're going to be innovative and try new things, you are not going to be successful all the time. Right. And what's important is that you fail quickly. You don't spend a lot of time going down a path that's not successful. And that also that you understand that people are trying to be innovative and that's part of their job. And don't go out and find a scapegoat every time something goes wrong. It's important that they feel they have the ability to try mm-hmm. new things. And some of them will succeed, some of them won't. But the learning will be valuable to the organization in any case. I love that. I love that because failure has
0: been uh, certainly one of my best teachers. (laughs) It's painful at the time, but uh, I I really, when I look back over the last, uh, and I I had shared with you, I feel like I'm about to be an overnight success, uh, you know, uh, after just 10 years. And uh, the last 10 years have been uh, an incredible list of of good things, but also some pretty, pretty spectacular failures along the way. And, uh, you know, I know I'm definitely, uh, stronger for, for trying, trying things and pushing the envelope. So, Linda, as we close, I would love for you to be able to share with our audience, uh, how they can reach you. And you operate a company called Leverage to Market. I do. And, uh, so, so tell us how, how people can reach you. What's the
1: best way to find you? The best way to find me is you can go to my website, and I've made it very simple um, because you, around the book. that You can go to marketingabove.com, and you'll find out information about the book. You'll nice. find some, uh, some free resources, and you'll find out information about me and the services that we can provide. I love it.
0: So, again, the book is Marketing Above the Noise. Uh, our guest today has been Linda Popke, and Linda has been named one of the top influences Influencers uh, in Silicon Valley uh, in in the female category, which uh, we always love to hear that on the executive girlfriends group. And she's also been inducted into the Million Dollar Consultant Hall of Fame, which is no mean feat. I've uh, I have built a million dollar consulting firm in the past, and it is uh, it is a task. So congratulations, Linda, on on the book, and congratulations on achieving those amazing. Uh, feats in in a very, very crowded marketplace. So, again, the book is Marketing Above the Noise. And, Linda, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Chicky. It's been fun. Great
0: to talk to you. Great. And if you'd like more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, it's very simple, executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. We are also on Facebook in both a public and a private page for our members and we would love for you to come visit us and listen to some of our other shows. Thanks so much, and have a great weekend.